Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio. The sounds you hear in the background are the sounds of nature emanating from the island of St. Vincent. We are on the leeward side of the island, and we're coming to you from deep inside the Leiu Petroglyph Park, a stunning cultural and anthropological site of pre-Columbian history, which we will explore with you. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to World Footprints, the leading voice in socially responsible travel and lifestyle. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick, and along with my husband, Ian, we're going to take a look back, a look ahead, and a look at the present to share some of the places that are reshaping tourism and the economy of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Thanks, dear. Our first stop on today's World Footprints is the village of Leiu here on St. Vincent's Leeward Coast. Against a stunning backdrop of rockscapes and ridges, Leiu is filled with homes, historic churches, a small beach and crescent-shaped bay, and in a ridge above the village is the Leiu Petroglyph Park. The Leiu Petroglyph Park, where we are coming to you from today, is one of several Amerindian sites that have been uncovered in St. Vincent with stone carvings which remain a mystery to this day. But one thing we do know is that the petroglyphs represent some of the most intriguing reminders of the island's original settlers. From here, we'll travel to the windward side of St. Vincent to Argyle, where in the not-too-distant future, St. Vincent and the Grenadines will welcome the world thanks to a new international airport currently under construction. The nearly quarter of a billion dollar Argyle International Airport is the biggest development project in St. Vincent's history, and Jennifer Richardson of the Airport's Development Corporation takes us on site to talk about this project and what it will mean to the people in tourism of this country. If we're looking at ourselves becoming a modern state, you can't do it without an international airport. So this international airport being constructed is really important to us. Then we come back to the leeward side of St. Vincent to Buckment Bay Resort, a relatively new addition to the hospitality scene here, and we'll sit down with the resort's general manager, Gianluca Cunieto, to discuss his passion for food, nature, and hospitality, and his vision to marry them all in creating a unique experience for the resort's visitors. I believe that, you know, uh, the marriage between... Uh, the uh, the complex, if I can call it such, and the the, the, the Saint Vincent uh, uh, nature is matching each other quite well. Finally, I'll share my experience at Buckingham Bay's Harlequin Performing Arts Academy and introduce my wonderful coaches, John Barr and Tim Davies, who gave me a chance of a lifetime to live a dream in performing I Dream a Dream from Les Miserables. To see you grow throughout the, the entire hour, you know, you started off as this little mouse and you became my raging rhinoceros. <laughs> That's what I wanted. No more mousy, Tonya. No mousy, Tonya. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. Visit and connect with us at worldfootprints.com. The Leiu Petroglyph Park, where we are coming to you from today, is one of several Amerindian sites that have been uncovered in St. Vincent containing stone carvings, which remain a mystery. But one thing we do know is that the carvings represent some of the most intriguing reminders of the island's original settlers. 
Let's explore this cultural landmark with our guide, Marlon Joseph of the St. Vincent and the Grenadines Tourism Authority. Tuna and as well as the carib, mm-hmm. which is what the Europeans, all the Europeans refer to them. We love to refer to them as the Kalinago. Because we think that the carib, the, the term carib is very, we think when it is demeaning. Because mm-hmm. they name them the carib because they label them as cannibals. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So we prefer to use the term Kalinago. And we speak of our ancestors in that area. And they were not treated very kindly by the Europeans who came because they wanted their lands for sugar. Yeah, so. See the same friends, it's a bit fading now. Because. Be careful, it's kind of smooth here, Tanya. It's a bit smooth. Smooth. Yeah, yeah. yeah you see, it's difficult to see now because the. Yeah, and I, I am always curious about what these symbols represent. Mm. You know, it, it awakens that curiosity. We want to know what is it that they were communicating communicating then. The thunderous sound you hear is the rushing waters of the Rutland River which makes its way through the park. One of the things that has made it difficult to learn about places such as the Leyu Petroglyphs and other important historical and cultural attractions here has been the difficulty in getting to St. Vincent and the Grenadines, as visitors would have to take connecting flights on small planes through neighboring gateways such as Barbados, St. Lucia, and Grenada. But that will all change by 2014 thanks to a new international airport under construction at Argyle. The airport will feature a runway capable of handling large passenger jets that cannot land here today. But that will all change in the near future as we learn from Jennifer Richardson of the Airports Development Corporation as we did during our visit to the Argyle site. I'm here with Jennifer Richardson, communications officer for the new Argyle International Airport, a brand new gateway airport to St. Vincent and the Grenadines that's set to open in late 2013, December 2013. Jennifer, welcome to World Footprints and thank you for having us here in St. Vincent. Thank you very much, Ian, and welcome to St. Vincent, and thanks for coming out to the project. We're very happy to be here. We are at the construction site of the new international airport here in Argyle. Talk to us about what's happening here right now and how this is going to change life on the island and change the tourism industry. Okay, let me just clarify um, for your listeners' sake that the work is scheduled to be completed by the end of 2013 and we're scheduled to open in 2014. Now, the work that we are doing here, currently we started back in August 2008 and that really resulted from the government seeing the need for improved air access to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. What we use currently is the E.T. Joshua Airport, where only the Liat-8 type aircraft come, come in 
And currently we have one jet, which is the Ameri-Jet, that comes in and takes cargo, but cannot even fly in here at half of its capacity. So we are trying to improve that. And over the years, we know that getting to St. Vincent has been difficult. And it has been a turner for a lot of people who otherwise would come here to vacation and to invest. So that has been a, a problem for us. And... Uh, if we're looking at ourselves becoming a modern state, you can't do it without an international airport. So this international airport being constructed is really important to us. Currently, we are over 76% complete with the construction of our runway. That's um, constructing the airside facilities. And we, as far as the passenger terminal building is, we are over 32% completed, having started construction in August of 2011 at the passenger terminal building. We do still have a, quite a bit of work to do if we are looking to complete in 2013, but it's not beyond us. It, it can be done, and we are working as hard as we can to ensure that it is done. Currently, where we are standing here, we are standing in what we call the first kilometer of the site. We have divided the site into three kilometers, and we're in the first kilometer. Over on the southern end, we had two huge mountains that we had to bring down. And that would explain why 65% of the work on the project was concentrated in this area of the first kilometer. We have brought down the mountain significantly, and we continue to move the rest, the remaining rocks that are over there in that far end. We have done so by, by blasting. We have utilized the blasting process and the tractors that we had, that we have, they would go in and they would push those rocks once they are factored and we will have them transported from one part of the site to the other. We have also done a significant amount of work on the runway. As a matter of fact, in the second kilometer of the runway, which is right in the middle here if we had to start paving tomorrow we would start over there because that is the most complete over here we had to do in addition to all the bringing down of the mountains and the removal of the topsoil and whatever houses were in the area we had also to construct a very large culvert in this area and that prevented us for a while from filling up the rest of the way because we had to get the culvert constructed to take the waters off the runway that has been done, it has been covered, and the filling process in this area is almost complete. If you note, we are at runway level, we have allowed the grass to grow back, and more grass will be allowed to grow as we use it as a protective measure to protect the runway strip, and also as an environmental measure to keep the dust down, because a lot of residents around here, you know, they do suffer from the dust effects. Mm -hmm. Even though we have water trucks on site that would, all day long, they're up and down trying to wet the place. It's a, it is such a big and wide site that as soon as it passes, the other side is dry already. So we are happy that the grass is growing back. And as we allow the natural vegetation to grow, we pull out the weeds and allow the real grass, like the one you're standing on here, to, to really shine through. So that is, mm -hmm. Just for the sake of our listeners, the, the spot where we're standing is on the Atlantic Ocean side. So the Atlantic Ocean itself, and not the, the sea, is, is, is right behind us. I have to say, you know, just standing here, I'm in awe. This is a massive uh, project, and it just seems so large for just one runway. We understand that, you know, according to the minister, this is just going to be a one runway. 
I mean, it is one runway. We, we will be having two taxiways. And um, we, they have decided to expand the site, make it big for future expansion. So that when we are finished here, the next generation or maybe the two generations to come, if we are fortunate enough to be to have a lot of travel, a lot of flights coming into St. Vincent, and we need to, to expand the airport, then we have available lands okay, so that um, they can use for expansion purposes. So you're doing a lot of future planning as you prepare even for this. That's excellent. I, I just want to touch base um, on the, um, the excavation work that you're doing. I understand that through the excavation, you've actually uncovered some um, wonderful artifacts. Talk a little bit about how you're preserving those. Okay, that was fantastic. Actually, it was, um, for us, a lot of the things that they found were a bit of a surprise that we found the type of stuff that we did and the, the, the amount that we did, even though the National Trust knew for a while that we had things out here, but they couldn't excavate them. With the work being done on the airport... And the houses being removed, it presented the real opportunity for National Trust to come in and, and, and look and to bring in archaeologists. And they found some wonderful stuff. As a matter of fact, the first set of archaeologists who came in, they, what they said to us is that we have stuff dating back more than 2,000 years, showing that our country is not a new country, but we have communities existing in this part of the country for more than 2,000 years. And so the artifacts that they found are being preserved by the National Trust. Right now, the National Trust has some of the Argyle finds where their building is located at the Carnegie Building in Kingstown. And we also have a container-like museum sort of structure that we created to store some of the stuff until we are finished because there is, plan, there is a plan to construct a national heritage park and also a coyote village, which is a carb village. And so a lot of these artifacts would be placed back in... Um, there will be a museum also on the National Heritage Park and in the Coyote Village. So a lot of this stuff will be on display there, but they're entirely in trust to the National Trust. I think that's one of the things that will make this airport unique in terms of a visitor coming in and really being able to 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 see the archaeology, to see the history, to see the lineage, very up close and personal. So this is more than just an airport. It's a sacred site, too. And a lot of care is going into the planning and the construction and the overall vision for what's going to take place here. Yeah, and a significant amount of care and concern. Because out here at Argyle, we had the, the, the Awaks who came before. We had the Caribs. We had the, the Indians who came after, and more, a lot of them lived in this area, and they left their heritage behind. And one of the reasons why you're seeing those rocks still up is because on the back we have the petroglyphs. And the petroglyphs are thought to be the, the way that the Caribs communicated with each other. We can't interpret them. 
But um, it is believed that it was a means of communication. And there are other sites around the country where you have petroglyphs. So we are trying to preserve them. We had a team from Egypt that came in about two years ago. And they told us that they can move them. They went back to Egypt to come again. But then we had turmoil in Egypt and government change and everything has happened. So they couldn't come back. In recent times, we've had an Australian team that came in and they too think they can be moved. And we are now waiting to hear when they're coming back and what we can do with the petroglyphs. So we're doing everything we can to preserve those petroglyphs, try to remove them intact and place them in the cultural heritage part that along with the National Trust, we are going to help construct because we are financing the work of the National trust in this part of the country so all of those things would go in there we also had some old sugar mills out here a lot of the ruins that they recovered we had a team from connecticut an industrial archaeology team that came in and they dated them and identified the ones that should be preserved when the cultural heritage park is is constructed they will try to reconstruct a sugar mill a functioning one that would show how the sugar mills worked back then. And in that same area, that is where they will have the museum, which would display things that would show how the Caribs, the Awaks, the Indians lived while they were on this part of the, of the country. And so. in relation to the terminal, where will that heritage park be? We're looking at the terminal right now. Will it be within distance of the terminal so that airport visitors can enjoy either before or after their flight? It will be. Um, just above the terminal area here, we have a new road. That is the new highway which we had to construct because the highway came through here before. So we had to move all of that. So there is a new road. On the opposite side of the new road, not too far away from the Yambu River, which is just around the corner, that is where the cultural heritage park will be situated. So if you're coming to the airport and you're really early, it's just maybe another minute or two that you will drive around and, and, and go there and you can cool out. And we have other things around here you can do if you look down just behind us, we have a recreational park down here. It is called Waraku. So if you want to go down there and cool out as well before you catch your flight, you can do that as well. And it is actually a very beautiful site indeed as, as we look at it uh, just, uh, just to the east of the actual airport runway. Part of the, uh, the sense of pride that we've been able to uh, uh, seize upon during our stay here is that your country is growing, and, and to have a significant public work like this that brings an added dimension to, to how connected St. Vincent and the Grenadines will become to the rest of the world is obviously an important step. It's, it's a transformational step. And as part of that, I know you are looking to bring new airline service here uh, that will make it easier for people to get from Europe, from North America, from Canada, the United States, and elsewhere. Talk about what, what the airport corporation and the leadership have in mind in terms of making this a place that's an easy-to-reach, easy-to-get-to airport from many places around the world. Okay, one of the things that they are doing, and I will tell you that we have not yet decided how the airport would be managed, whether it would be private persons to come in and take it over as management agents, 
or the IADC or the government will find some new set of people to manage it. They have not decided that yet, so that is still out there. But in the meantime, the marketing of the destination and the airport is being done by the Tourism Authority, which is headed by Mr. Glenn Beach. And he's the one who is now, along with other agencies that we have in Canada, in the UK and in the US, etc., they are the ones who are approaching the airlines and giving them the pitch as to what it is they can expect, what kind of probably concessions they can have, you know, what the things are that can entice them to come to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I know they have been speaking with airlines. Which ones they have been speaking to and which ones are interested, I couldn't tell you because I don't know. They wouldn't tell me because <laughs> according to, to Mr. Beach, the airlines don't want each other to know what they're doing so you can't go about you know saying what they plan to do so that is a highly kept secret but what he has assured us is that there are airlines interested in coming to St. Vincent to add us to their route and there will be international direct flights coming to St. Vincent and I must say after uh, traveling from Barbados here and the three stops in between um, that was a little bit painful only because of the weather but it did provide me some comedy relief because we had an air pocket at one point and I thought one of the other passengers was going to faint so <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh at her but out of empathy um, but uh, we're I'm personally we're personally looking forward to just the access from North America here uh, in the coming in the coming months yeah, we, we are looking forward to it and we are happy about it because we have had so many complaints over the years from people who are trying to come here. There have actually been persons who, in trying to get to St. Vincent, got so fed up that they just decided to stay in Barbados and don't bother to come over, you know, and spend their holiday there instead. We don't want that to continue to happen. We want persons to come to St. Vincent. It must not be as expensive as it is now and you must not have the kind of horrors that you have coming through other airports and having to stay off and go through this and go through that. We as Vincentians, we experience it. So we know what the visitors go through because it is no, it is no different. So we are trying to alleviate all of that so that our visitors, the good experience that they expect to have would start from the time they hit the airport until they get to St. Vincent. I had a quick question. You know, I'm noticing a herd of goats off to our right, and we've done a few stories back home about how some of the airports are actually employing goats um, on the airport to keep the grass cut. Is, is, this, uh, is this an accident or are you training them uh, or teaching them you know, the boundaries of the runway this early? <laughs> well, really and truly, you could say it's an accident. <laughs> We're not really utilizing the goats, but what happened in this area, we had a large farming community. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the farmers still have livestock. The grass is about and we are not quite, they're not quite in danger yet. So some of them still allow their animals to, to roam around a bit. And um, that is what you're seeing happening there with the goats. But um, the bigger animals, like the cows and so on, we have asked them to tether their, their animals. So most of those are tied and out of the way. And uh, as the work progresses, they will have to tie them. Well, Jennifer, we know that uh, this is an exciting time for your country. And we can't wait to come back when this 9,000-foot runway is here welcoming big planes to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We thank you for being with us on World Footprints today. Thank you so much for having me. I do enjoy the rest of your stay here in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. 
When we return, the general manager of Buckmet Bay Resort, Jean-Luc Cognetto, shares his vision to make Buckmet Bay a unique, eco-friendly, fun-filled, food lovers' paradise. I believe that you know uh, the marriage between uh, the uh, the complex, if I can call it such, and the, 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 the Saint Vincent uh, uh, nature is matching each other quite well. Next, as World Footprints continues. Hi, my name is Elaine, and I'm from California, and I like World Footprints Radio. Seeking paradise, a little romance, echo adventures, or pristine waters and beaches, you'll find it all on the islands of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. A tropical paradise of 32 beautiful Caribbean islands is waiting to offer you endless possibilities. Experience a sailing paradise, explore uninhabited islands, or many quiet moments. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick with World Footprints, and before you can just say, ah, you must discover paradise at discoversvg.com. I am Marlon Joseph from the St. Vincent and the Grenadines Tourism Authority. We had a wonderful time with Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick of World Footprints, and we are encouraging, well, inviting you to come down to St. Vincent and the Grenadines and see exactly what we have to offer. You're listening to World Footprints Radio, awarded as the best travel audio podcast by the North American Travel Journalists Association. Here's Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Tony Fitzpatrick. Buckingham Bay Resort here on St. Vincent is a recent addition to the hospitality scene here. This growing resort's dynamic general manager, Jean-Luc Cunieto, has a passion for food, nature, and hospitality. And this powerhouse hospitality manager has a vision to marry them all to give guests a unique, one-of-a-kind resort experience. Jean-Luc, thank you so much for having us here today. It's my pleasure having you here. So, inquiring minds want to know, what's a nice guy from the south of Italy doing here in St. Vincent? Tell us your story, because it's very inspirational. I mean, how do you go from being a professional uh, kickboxer to managing resorts? Well, the, the kickboxing hobby has been there since I was probably seven years old. And I started at an early age. At the same time, um, my mother and my father had a restaurants, and actually two restaurants. One was called the Gatto Pardo, and one by San Giuseppe. So... In some, in some way, I'm born in, in restaurants and kitchens and bars. Um, I mean, our business has been uh, closed down due to infrastructure problem, a uh, massive infrastructure problem, uh, together with the sea and everything. So obviously, I've decided to broaden my, my horizons abroad. Also, uh, I've always been passionate about language, uh, languages in general, so English, I speak French, I speak Spanish, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, I wanted to develop my, uh, my language skills further. I start to travel between England, Australia, Maldives, America, um, France, uh, Caribbean, I also worked in St. Lucia, and uh, after Dubai, after three years of Dubai, I moved to Maldives to open a six-star hotel where I met Mr. and Mrs. Ames 
uh, where they went on holiday and obviously they liked very much what I did in, uh, in that resort and they offered me a job in, uh, in the H Hotel in Barbados. Obviously, as the, the, the project is a bit far, uh, let's say, I think, 13th of August of 2013, but it's not sure, don't take me for granted. <laughs> Uh, so for the time being, uh, I'm just running Bakkeman Bay Resort. This resort is only about 25% complete. How are you trying to strike the balance, though, between um, that growth, the amount of growth that you're going to do, and the natural environment and, and just the natural resources to preserve those? Well, let me start with the, with the land. The land is massive. Uh, is all covered by greens, natural elements of life I would say uh, we also have um, a green garden but as you can see uh, everywhere you you are uh, in, in the resort you can see nature, you can see St. Vincent and the Grenadine um, purely uh, nature, water green, sky, sun there's nothing artificial really except of course the villas but they are built in a in a very friendly environment, and um, I believe that you know uh, the marriage between uh, the uh, the complex, if I can call it such, and the the, the, the Saint Vincent uh, uh, nature is matching each other quite well. Now, one of your passions is food. Give visitors a sense of what they can experience and what the vision is from a culinary standpoint. My passion. Is food, yes. I would actually say that uh, food for me is everything, together with, uh, with, like I mentioned earlier to you, cocktails, wines, is my life, is just what I enjoy. I think that food, it has to be a journey. When you just cook, when you prepare something, you need to put love. And nowadays, it's not easy to find really some proper food done with love. They just do something for the sake of putting something together and throw it in front of you for you to, to, to eat it. But I take care of the plates. I take care of the way it's being put into the plate. I take care of the ingredients and ensuring that every concept is delivers what promises. So uh, starting from my Indian restaurant, my Indian restaurant arrived he had a very limited options. Yes, Indian food. Although I'm not an expert in Indian food as such, but I know what is Indian food, how it should be presented, how it should taste. Okay? Though I'm not going to remember the, the names, the very complicated at some point name of the ingredients. But ultimately, you know, all I want is a gourmandise. I want uh, the flavor to, to explode in your mouth. And starting from the static balance of the food and uh, to, to the finish, to the taste, and the marriage with wine and the ambiance, and the, the chef coming out from the kitchen with a nice smile, trying to help you because they know that it's not easy to, to choose from the variety of dishes on, 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 the, on the Indian food. Now, jumping on to other concepts, we have a Jack restaurant, and again, it always been serving great food, but when I arrived, there were certain things that I did not like, mm. uh, or let me put it this way, not that I did not like, but that I wanted to have uh, announced, such as the presentation, the, 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 the cooking style, uh, so some people, they used to cook medium and then it would be rare, or vice versa, 
So uh, again, the love, and that's why I put a chef behind now that he knows what he's doing and he understands my language, my directions. And uh, I don't want to never sound arrogant in what I do, but you know, food for me is uh, um, a philosophy, you know, and uh, it has to be respect. If it's not respected, I suffer. Spoken like a true Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Now, part of that respect that you have with food and for this island is actually bringing those things together so that food and the natural beauty of this island can be experienced. And talk to us about your vision for that. I know you really want to get to a place where you're sustainable, growing your own herbs, growing your own uh, uh, vegetables and, and, and so forth. Talk to us about that vision. I just want to really uh, have in my resort, uh, like you said earlier, the, 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 the nature, what represented the Caribbean island itself, together with the food and the beverage and everything. In fact, in the chef garden, there will be two areas. One will be uh, having uh, some picnic tables with benches, nice umbrellas next to the river. And other one have any entertainment, any music at all. That's actually spiritual. And you can hear the, 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 the sound of the, of the river, the water coming down when it rains. I want to create something repaired that even if it rains, you can still enjoy your food there. And the atmosphere in, in the middle of the green, the power of the green up there is incredible. And then a little area right in the middle of the chef garden, this, this, uh, this land that I have, um, to have a fine dining setting up to six people, six people, uh, very intimate, a nice, beautiful white tablecloth in the, in the evening, so well illuminated uh, with, with a chef preparing a gorgeous local lobster uh, in front of them and explaining what he's doing. You have so many beautiful ideas that you want to see this, this, this resort grow. I mean, a lot of, a lot of vision. Will this vision, uh, how will this vision carry forward when you leave to start managing uh, a sister property, um, Barbados, the Age Hotel? And I'll ask you to give us a preview uh, a little bit later, but if yes. you can. <laughs> the Chef Garden will be ready by Christmas. Um, I employed Christine, and uh, I think uh, it's, it's, it's a luck to have somebody like Christine. She's fantastic. Christine she's an Ellis. hotelier. Yes. yes, she's an hotelier. She, she knows, uh, she loves what she does. So she doesn't do it just like you could imagine. Oh, she does to try to get to the end of the month to get this. No, she's somebody that she takes so much pride in what she does. Mm-hmm. And we work very well together, and she has. Uh, the, the belief of what I do so she envisioned what I actually uh, have uh, as a view the owner Dave um, Ames thinks like me he's a visionary like me he wants something and he works towards it and all the other men that I have in place are believer uh, of what I'm doing so they, they, they predicate if I can use this word uh, what I, what I uh, really wanted to to do in this resort, they're excited about it like me. And even if there wasn't the one before, now they are even more because they see that we work towards something incredible. And uh, I have no doubt that you know, it will be extremely successful. Now, part of the vision that you, Dave Ames, are putting out here is that you've aligned yourself with some of the best names in sport, in food, uh, and 
people might be surprised to find out that you can come here to Buckman Bay and actually meet some people who might be players on the Liverpool, Liverpool Football Club or get training at the Harlequin Performing Arts Academy here with some West Enders. And so this really is part of the philosophy here of really having your guests come here to have those experiences where they can say, I did this with this famous person or that famous group of people. That's, that's a real part of what you're trying to provide here. Yes, uh, it is uh, a part of, uh, as you can see, it's a multi-concept. Like you just said, the entertainment, the original entertainment, let me put it this way, because you don't go into any resort and you find uh, you know, a football pitch like uh, we have uh, here, uh, a cricket ground and the tennis court and also what we are going to build because we, 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 are, not, we, we are not even close to finished. And jumping on to the, the, um, the, 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 the famous people, you know, Pat Cash, uh, Chris Wilkinson, and uh, Lewis Moody, and so many others. I mean, don't you find it exciting? You, you know, know, having performed uh, with uh, Harlequin today, I channeled <laughs> Fatima uh, from Les Miserables. Exceptional. So, yeah, I I found it for myself. That was a bucket uh, thing on my bucket list I could check off. Now I I need to try out for Broadway, for real. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is. But it it was fantastic. How do you, how did you guys acquire this talent? I mean, we're talking high caliber personalities and talent. Well, uh, that caliber, like you just said, is. the, the creator of the whole Arlequin Hotels and Resorts, which is Davis. Mm. My chairman, my friend, my boss, my uh, mentor uh, for certain aspects because, you know, I learn from him. And like I said, I'm a visionary, he's a visionary. So between, the, between each other, we, um, we, share, we share ideas. He's uh, very well connected. He knows uh, people everywhere in the world. So uh, he was telling me the story that in one day, uh, you know, he went to the theater, theater in London and he saw a show. Uh, I don't remember what play it was. I think, uh, I think Le Miserable, but I, I'm not sure about that. And he met Michael McCartney. And uh, Michael McCartney, uh, in the beginning, uh, you know, he was like, okay, so many people meet me, they won't, but then in the end. And they wanted to... Uh, to have him organizing uh, this concept here. Then after that, uh, he received uh, he received uh, a call from uh, from Dave. Michael received a call from Dave, and uh, he was extremely interested. And Michael was very surprised. So Michael, in the end, met him and they sat together, and they 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 came to an agreement of putting uh, the concept together at Buckingham Bay, and that that's where we are now. <laughs> Uh, Gianluca, I tell you, you know, we could go talk to you for hours about this property. We're just, you know, amazed. We've, in our travels, this is what we do. We've, you know, had uh, the plus blessing of seeing and, and, and enjoying a lot of wonderful properties. But this is very, very unique in its own, uh, you know, in its own on its own level. Um, but before we close, I have to ask you, because I was also half-raised in an Italian family, and I know that you'll be coming back from the H Hotel to open a new Italian restaurant. 
he'll be coming to uh, this property. How will you, knowing how Italians are, how will you keep the Italian chefs from competing against each other and arguing over whose recipe is the best? You'll, you'll end up wearing the hat of mediator as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst critic a chef or a director of food and beverage can have. But um, no, I mean, when a certain level, a professional uh, level, you know, you share things and you uh, you argue. It's nothing better than argue, you know. As long as you argue with some competent people that you know they have passion and they they understand what what, what is food really, what is beverage, what is service, what is an it's a setting, a, a sexy setting. In a, in a sexy uh, environment with people, they, they, they come to really appreciate what you do and everybody understands. So you have like a theater that's going on, like a play in the restaurant and the, the, the elegant people, the famous people and the chef with a lot of pride coming out all nicely with his hat. I mean, I have it, I have um, this one uh, in my head uh, since ages. But again, with regards to the H-Hotel, it will be the, the revolution in the Caribbean. Why I say the revolution? Because it's going to be the six-star hotel and in the real six-star hotel in the Caribbean. I've been to the presentation a couple of months ago of the new project because the first one, my, my owner did not like it. Uh, and uh, this, this last one, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, from 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 the, the the silly, if I can say silly, which is never silly, car that transport my guests from the airport to the hotel, to you know to the to the glassware, and I'm going to personally select the glassware. I just mm-hmm. want to have either Rosenthal, the first line, or Riddle, the sommelier line, and I wanted every cocktail to explode. Or oh, the food, the, and the whole experience, the rooms. If I ever show you the, the, the if you ever see the, the rooms in the H Hotel, the penthouses, they're their they dream. And uh, it will be August the 13th. Hopefully, that's not delay more than that. Okay. Once we open, I'm planning to open it with the Fashion TV. I'm actually trying to contact Michelle Adams, and uh, that would be a, a great uh, achievement for me to open with them, lots of celebrities. Is going to be screaming of uh, I'm sexy, I'm sexy, yeah. I'm sexy. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Well, we look forward to to covering that perhaps in the. In the you should years. absolutely be there on the opening day. Gianluca Cognato, thank you so much for having us here for visiting with us in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We look forward to having you on our show again. Fantastic! Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you here. After the break, we'll come back to Buckman Bay Resort and we'll share Tanya's singing debut at the resort's Harlequin Performing Arts Academy and introduce John Barr and Tim Davies, who gave her the chance of a lifetime to sing I Dream a Dream from Les Miserables. Footprints continues. Hi, my name is Eva. I'm from Fiji, and I love listening to World Footprints Radio.
Discover paradise on the islands of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, a tropical paradise of 32 beautiful Caribbean islands for yachting, scuba diving, enjoying nature, and relaxing in luxurious hideaways is waiting for you. Run away from a hectic life and let the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines spoil you. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick with World Footprints, and we rediscovered ourselves by discovering St. Vincent and the Grenadines. See for yourself at discoversvg.com. My name is Luben Oliver. I'm from the tiny island, Beckway, the Mason and the Grenadines. And I uh, want to wish you all the best for coming to Beckway, Tanya, and uh, Ian. I wish you a safe trip back, and when you go back home, tell all the wonderful people about Beckway. It's the only paradise in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And I will encourage you to listen to World Footprint, the best in the world. Enjoy. And now, more of World Footprints Radio with your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. Buckingham Bay's Harleton Performing Arts Academy is one of the special activities that you can experience here at the resort. I had the chance to sing I Dream a Dream from the long-running hit musical and now film Les Miserables. Thanks to some coaching from dynamic West End talent John Barr and Tim Davies two of the master teachers of musical theater. So Ian and I are enjoying a lovely um, session of libations under a covered cabana, bar cabana, uh, on St. Vincent and uh, at the Buckingham Bay Resort in thundering rain. But we're with two gentlemen who are theater's best. And these two guys helped me channel Fatima today and uh, as they taught me how to find my voice they taught me that I had a voice and, and how to find it they, uh, when I sang I Dream a Dream today from Les Miserables and I'd like to introduce uh, Tim Davies the musical director at the Harlequin Performing Academy Arts uh, Tim was born in Cardiff and studied music at Kingston University where he won the conducting prize Guildhall School of Music and Drama and the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. And Tim actually is currently studying music or voice training at Eastill. And then my new best friend, John Barr. And uh, John has made West End history. He debuted at the age of 12 in Oliver, one of my favorite plays, at the Albury Theatre. And since then, he has had a varied career appearing on stage, TV, film, cabaret, concerts, and recordings. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the time that you spent with me today. Thank you. You were a joy to work with. You were, you, to see you grow throughout the, the entire hour... You know, you started off as this little mouse, and you became my raging rhinoceros. <laughs> That's what I wanted. No more mousy Tonya. No mousy Tonya. You just reminded me of that gentleman. Who's that guy from Dancing with the Stars? Bruno. Bruno on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, you, you channeled him a little bit there. <laughs> It is a good thing. It's one of our favorites. Now, take us a little bit back through your history. Don, you've had a wonderful career. You actually came to our neck of the woods, D.C., and performed at the Library of Congress. What was that like for you? Scary. It was my New York, it was my, my American cabaret debut. I got my, I had a visa, an O-1 visa to work out there professionally. They, um, it was a big corporate gig for 300 of the most important people in, in business, and uh, it was just incredible to sing in this 
incredible part of history, American history, the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., with Abraham just looking just down the road at me. It's amazing. When was this? In 1996. 1996. I just started my, my cabaret career was a few years old. So, um, and I'd made my debut album. And we're about to get soaking wet. <laughs> you have to know, it's lovely in the Caribbean, but it's absolutely raining. We're not going to lie. <laughs> so, Tim, take us through your life uh, journey. How did you go from Wales to St. Vincent? Okay. Oh, well, Wales, a great tradition of uh, call singing in Wales. So I started uh, playing. My great aunt was a piano teacher. She used to live next door to me. So I used to start quite early at age. And then I used to start playing for choirs uh, when I was still at school. And then that moved on to theatre groups, amateurs. And then a big journey to London where I went to university. And, um, and then just sort of got into musical theatre. Uh, did some tours. My very first show was Blood Brothers, which I did on tour. Tell me it's not true. <laughs> Very good. And, uh, yeah, so I did that. And then various tours, bigger tours, uh, Joseph, um, <coughs> Annie, uh, and Sun Music. And uh, you just get to meet lots of great people and new, new friends and new contacts. And it's that through that that I came here. Because the people I was working with on the last Sun Music tour... Uh, old, uh, Stephen Hill, the executive musical director here, was my boss, is, um, was also my boss on that. So after working with him there, he gets me to come over here and work with, with John for a period. So did you know as a child, like John did, that this was your calling? Because I, I take it, John, you knew as a child this was your the theatre. I was tap dancing inside, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> the hellion that you I are, I would imagine. This is no true, as exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and you can believe that as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. do, I do. <laughs> so did you know at a young age that this was your calling? Um, yes, yes, I've always loved music. Um, there was a time when you're thinking, I, I don't really come from that musical family. So to become a musical professional, it's like, well, that's, all, that's, that's nice, but you know, what are you going to do for a living? <laughs> so it was a little bit of a culture change. So there was a time when I nearly went into engineering because they were going, you should have a proper job. So, uh, but I was always being pulled back, always being pulled back, always loved playing. So I just went with that and it just seemed to, seemed to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, John, did you come from a theatre family? No. Oh, my God, about as normal. My dad had the same job for 38 years, working for Thames Water, the sewage company in in the UK. My mum was a secretary. My sister um, has a wonderful job in the city. But no, but my dad's side of the family were Romany gypsies, so they were travellers. So they must have done their own kind of entertaining. And, in fact, when my nan died, we found some wonderful pictures of her. She'd modelled when she was about 18, 19. And she was absolutely, exquisitely beautiful. And there's a picture of her posing, like this tango pose. And I said to my mum, I think that's where I get it from. <laughs> One of the things that has impressed us about being here are the, the, the select offerings. This, the Harlequin Performing Arts Centre, is very, very unique. 
How did you guys find yourself here? How were you approached and what was the process? Stephen, Stephen Hill and Michael McCarthy. Well, Stephen Hill I've known since I was 16. I did my first job as an adult when I was 16 of Jesus Christ Superstar, which went on a, a worldwide uh, national tour. And uh, I've known, as I said, known him all that time. And then we've kept in touch, and he's got me several jobs over the years. And then Michael McCarthy, through the Les Miserables connection, because Michael McCarthy had done Javert on Broadway, Javert in London, Javert on tour. And then when they were coming to do this place, um, I think I was the first person to spring to mind because of my cabaret career. I had like loads of music and songs, arrangements and charts. And also I'd done quite a lot of teaching. So they knew that I could do the entertaining of an evening. And they also knew I could do the coaching and the teaching throughout the day. And I've done a lot of that. And I, I've absolutely, I love doing it. And Tim, did you know John before you all got here? No, no, we didn't. A little bit, yes. We had done a little show together, but um, only for a couple of weeks. So uh, I did Cats in Cyprus and I hadn't realised after that Tim was in the band. Yes. <laughs> so you guys, as, as artists, as theatre artists, musical director, actor, singer, you travel a lot. How has St. Vincent been to you? Has this island been transformative in, in any way? Oh, it, yeah. It, both times, I, like when I just got offered to come out this time, it came at the right time. How's that? Just personally, just it was, and a bit like before, when I came before, I found out I didn't get a lead part in a show that was coming over from Broadway. I got very close to getting it, and then they, I didn't get it, so they offered me the understudy, and I went, not interested. And then I was doing another job, which I absolutely loathed. I was teaching at this college, which will remain nameless, and I hated it. I hated it. I was being paid a lot of money, and I just, I woke up one day, and I went, I can't do it. So on the Tuesday, I found out I didn't get South Pacific. On the Wednesday, I handed in my notice, and on the Thursday, Thursday, I get a phone call from Stephen saying, Johnny Barr, what are you doing the next few months? I said, funny, nothing. And then, then I came out and did three and a half months out here. <clears throat> that was the first time. So this is your second time here. Okay. And, it's and, and, and how, about, how about you, Tim? No, yes, no, this is my first time. Okay. First time, very interesting. I was approached pre- the previous year, but work commitments meant I couldn't get out here. So I knew I'd done a little bit of research on it. And it sounded very interesting, and of course it looks beautiful. And usually the sun is very bright and it's very warm and usually, usually. usually. Uh, um, so it sounded like an interesting thing to come and try out. And it just happened that this was fitted perfectly in with my other commitments. So I thought, we'll just we'll give it a go. It's always good to try something new. And it's, it was intriguing, especially having the teaching part with the holiday idea together to see how that would actually work as well because that's sort of something you don't get anywhere else I don't think it's um but I must say when I've working with people like we have been doing it's been great it's been people have really really enjoyed it and gone for it and it's been this a great has been our busiest day so far we've had five five victims today <laughs> of which you you were number three <laughs> So, so that raises a question for me. What? How do you? You guys are harmless. You don't fight, and honestly, your teaching was so encouraging, so inspirational. How do you? How do you interact with somebody who has a desire to sing and maybe in their own mind think they can sing, but they can't carry a tune? And I know you've had clients like that. How do you? Well, they're here on holiday. 
you know, at home, I would have to be brutally honest. When people are here on holiday, it's a very different thing. It's it's fun. I mean, we haven't had we haven't had anyone this time. I mean, you certainly didn't come into that realm. Well, you just needed a little bit of encouraging, you know. And you, I mean, I told you to, to kind of go for it and just find that inner diva. You, she was a diva. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's a whole other story, Ian. But anyway. But um, uh, that's a whole other show. Haha. <laughs> that's later. Um, but um, it, you know, it, you're not here to criticise or to go. Oh, come on, get it right. Because they're not professionals. They hear. So they hear me sing at night, and they go, oh, "I've always wanted to do that." So I say, "Well, then come up." And you know what it's like. I mean, I'm like uh, with everyone how I am with you whether they're kids or adults it's got to be fun there's no wagging of the finger there's no as I said to you when I do teaching in the colleges back at home it's it's not a test it's called you know it's not a no one can fail it's you you cannot fail you only fail for yourself if you don't give it your best shot I get nothing out of that if you don't give me your best shot so last question when you guys are here teaching I mean you're here for what three months Okay. Do you have any chance at all to explore the island, to really, I don't know, reach the soul of this island and, and experience the, the cultural offerings? I did. I went to Mustique last year, which I loved. Um, but no, we don't really have enough time for that, really. That's a pity. Yeah. That's a pity. So what is your on your bucket list whilst you're here, before you leave what what do you want to experience about saint vincent and the grenadines i'd like to do try and explore the island as much as i can really it's difficult some days to try and fit it in with the work commitments but um this sounds like some fabulous places to go to especially up the other side of the island around the coast um i hear there's some great rock pools up the north end and the uh powers of the caribbean film sets that are that are here would be great uh, and also there's like John was saying there's a you can get on a nice cruise to go to Mystique and Belique and uh, they would be great just to go out into the sea um, but they do a night we did last week we went on the they do a sunset cruise here once a week and um, that was lovely just to go out into the sea go down the coast for a little bit uh, we managed to see a, a couple of dolphin fins in the water which was great they're the sharks <laughs> <laughs> I'm going scuba diving in a couple of days. Don't tell me that. But it's when the weather's nice, which it usually is, other than today. Yeah. Um, it was great, and you see the sunset. You're out there on the sea, and the beautiful sunsets that, are, that you have here, and uh, it's nice and relaxed. You get to meet the other guests. You know, you have to have a good chat, and it's it's just a nice relaxing feeling. So, and I'm sure there's a lot more to discover here. It kind of is a mini paradise here. I personally like to stay on the resort. I'm not really very intrepid. I kind of... I've lived in New York and I live in London. So I quite like coming here and just going, Oh, this is nice. (laughs) It's not a concrete jungle by any chance. No (laughs) concrete. Oh, Oh, dear. We're calling it it lost. You guys got that show in the UK, I take it. It's not not like that, but it's you have that film because it's such a nice resort, right? But it's it is a isolated from the rest of the island feeling, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. So um, you have that slight feeling. You cross the bridge and you're in a different world. Really. 
Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for helping me discover a different part of myself. And your dream. I did, no pun intended. You took my line. I was going to say that. (laughs) But uh, John Barr is an acting and singing coach uh, here, and in his uh, real life, his other, his real job is. Acting and singing coach. <laughs> and uh, Tim Davies, extraordinary musical director. Thank you so much. Wonderful pianist. Thank you guys for helping me live my dream. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed your visit to St. Vincent. And if you want to learn more about what St. Vincent offers, visit discoversvg.com. And of course, if you want more of World Footprints Radio, including our World Footprints Travel Report, giving you the latest breaking travel news, visit us at worldfootprints.com. And while there, consider hanging out with us on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and all of our other social networks. And certainly, subscribe to our newsletter. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we wish you blue skies and purposeful travel that leaves positive footprints one step at a time. Hi guys, my name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada, Banff National Park, natural beauty. The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio, because they spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, that are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio. World Footprints Radio is a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.